Just because we take extreme measures to prevent giving in to sexual temptation doesn't actually mean anything has changed in our hearts. We can't just put off sinful habits. We need God to give us a new heart, one in which he produces the true fruits of righteousness. And in this roundtable discussion, Josh, Chris, and Luke sit down in the Pure Life studio to discuss the crazy things they did to overcome their sexual addiction and how ultimately none of those things really worked. Um, But their stories will also give hope to anyone in bondage as they share how God blessed them and freed them tremendously during their time in our residential program. Well, welcome, guys. Uh, We're here to discuss something that I think probably close to 100% of the guys that come into our program have dealt with in their life, uh, like sin management type things. Mm -hmm. Um, But first, I want to introduce uh, our guests today to all those who are watching. We've got Luke Imperato, uh, the director of residential counseling. And we have Chris Hurley, a biblical counselor and overcomers at home counselor. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys for for being here today. Good to be here, Josh. All right, so I want to reference something, first of all, that Pastor Steve said in his monologue. Um, He was talking about uh, the power of evil in the hearts of men. Mm -hmm. And he said this, he said, it can lie dormant for years and suddenly come to life when the circumstances call it forth. So what do we do as professing Christians? We try to abate the sin in our life. We try to put up boundaries. We try to put up walls and stuff. So... um, you know, before we came to Pure Life, you know, we knew our sexual sin was wrong, right? We, mm-hmm. I don't think we yeah. agreed with it. We knew it was wrong. We, we still went after it. So we put up these outward boundaries in order to keep us from, from getting those things. So let's just discuss about some of those things. And it can be like the wildest things, the craziest things that we did in our life that we set up to keep ourselves from the sin uh, that we so desperately wanted. And for me... I'll start off with some things. I remember um, calculating the exact distance from uh, my home, our apartment, to work on the odometer, from home to the places that I would go, just so my wife at the time could know, okay, if he was going somewhere, let me check the odometer, you know, all that stuff. If I told her I was going somewhere, okay, this is how far I should have gone. Um, I would mark my tire for her, like the police would do. Um, I would give my wife my credit card so I couldn't, you know, buy what I wanted. And I would, I think this was probably the craziest. I would set up a video camera in my house and film me at times where she knew I would be alone if she was at work and I was at home just so she could go back and watch wow. to see those things, to see if I was doing all right. Just, just some crazy stuff. <laughs> you guys have anything like that? Any crazy stuff that you did? Pornography was more an issue for me personally, trying to be a Christian and living as a heathen. (laughs) So uh, it was small things. It was putting the computer in a public place in the house, putting covenant eyes on it, uh, having my pastor as my accountability partner. uh, And that didn't go very well uh, because he confronted me one day as I came into church and I refused to to agree with him that I had been looking at porn. Uh, I said, that wasn't me. (laughs) I was a liar and a deceiver. So uh, in terms of controls, I didn't do a lot. I did try to avoid stores because I'm old school. So when I got into it long ago, before computers, there were magazines. 
And so I was avoiding stores where I knew people didn't know me. But I know when I broke those boundaries, I would drive 30 miles Mm, to a place where no one knew me at all to avoid being seen and then feel as guilty as sin when I went up to the counter to purchase these things Mm. and slide out like, you know, just hide. So it was... It was not so much for me the controls. It was the avoidance of capture. Mm. It was the avoidance yeah. of being known. Yeah, I, I'd say probably most of my controls were lies, honestly, um, because I didn't put a whole lot of effort into accountability at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as I could keep my facade going on the outside, my biggest uh my biggest controls or way to kind of restrict the outward appearance of evil would be to just lie and make up all of these stories as to where I was, what I was doing, where my finances were growing. And some of those stories, yeah, when I look back now, extravagant lies, multiple tiered lies, like where it's a difficult life to live because you got to remember the lie that was built on the other lie that was built on the other lie. So (laughs) those are the kind of controls that I put in my life. But as far as like me fighting my sin... I would put accountability software on my computer and my mm-hmm. phone at times, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> they never were very successful. Yeah. So I would go to my pastor. I'd go to counselors. I was going to several counselors, mm-hmm. several groups, and wanting to put up an image. Now, going to spiritual authorities and stuff, even though it was for like a month or whatever, how, I don't know however long it was for you, was there something inside of you that was like, I don't really trust these guys or they don't really know what's good for me because all, you know, all the boundaries that I set up was like, I know me, I don't need anybody else's help, but these guys, these authorities in my life, I'm, did you find like any resistance because it was what they had come up with and not because it was you? In some ways I could see that being the case, even with my dad, because I would, so, you know, he doesn't know how to relate to pornography, internet pornography. Mm-hmm. You know, they were mm-hmm. in the generation of magazines, magazines and I'm like, internet pornography, what I'm into is much worse than my dad was ever into, or even my pastor. So they didn't really, you know, they don't, you don't understand yeah. the the level of addiction it's, and control this has. It's too available. Yeah. It's too readily available. That was my excuse, at least. <laughs> right. What about you, Chris? Did you? Uh, my pastor... Uh, we had a lot of confrontations. He was a sheepdog, and he saw my struggle, so he was constantly coming at me, or how are you doing? And I would lie, and at one point, I simply stopped wanting to hear him you know, confront me, so I just stopped going to church hmm. for three or four or five months and just stayed away. Yeah. So... You know, we all had ups and downs, even though we're in sexual sin. We had times of victory, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's for a day and mm-hmm. we thought, man, I'm, I'm cured, or <laughs> whether it was for a week mm-hmm. or even a month or even, even longer. You know, we all had these periods of, of victory. But eventually what happened? I mean, we would get back into the yeah, sin. Kind of like sure. what Pastor Steve said. It can lie dormant for years and suddenly it can come to life when the circumstances call it forth. So... Even though we got some outward things there, there's internal things that we're not dealing with. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. when the when the situation is is right, we go sure. right back to our sin and those outward boundaries that we put up 
didn't mean anything, whether it's um, the filtering software, going to counseling, whatever. They just don't work because the N-word is not being dealt with. Can you guys, can we discuss some things that you saw in your life that were the internal things that weren't dealt with that still caused you to go after your sin and, and you know, jump over those um, boundaries? Yeah. For, for me, it was just surrender, like for an internal thing. I never really just surrendered my will in my life. So, so internally, I was in charge of everything, making yeah. all my decisions. Yeah. So whenever there was a pressure or a stressor that would come into my life that would, you know, either get me tired or get me under some sort of a stress, then what was really the reality is I would just do what I wanted to, yeah. to right. kind of cover up that or make myself feel good. Yeah. As long as I could manage the Christian life, then we could do that. But even that, I was still doing what I wanted to do. That was my internal thing that I was hiding, or actually not even particularly hiding, I wouldn't have even known that that was really what was going on until I came mm-hmm. here to Pure Life, and it really got dug up and exposed for yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I had a period of victory, almost a year, um, when I had been praying for a long time for a child, and we were getting older, not quite uh, <laughs> as old as you are now. And, uh, <laughs> Hezekiah, but you know, uh, we were up there and um, all of a sudden my wife one night about two o'clock in the morning punches me in the arm and says, I'm pregnant. And I raised my hands and I went, hallelujah. And I got all excited. So for almost a year, I I was so thankful to God. And I really believe it was the gratitude that he had Mm -hmm. answered my prayer that kept me. I wasn't really even thinking about anything except the expectation of this new life. But then, okay, talking about selfishness, so then Nancy has Isabel, and her whole being is centered on this little girl, right? As well as mine, but, you know, I'm still wanting my wife to be my wife in every way, and that wasn't happening. So in my selfishness, you know, I gave myself an excuse. Well, it's been, you know, I'm looking at the months go by going, uh, come on, you know, uh, yeah. No, it was all me. Gratify me. Take care of me. I, I mean, I, you got to love me too. And so when she couldn't or wouldn't, I loved myself. Yeah. And so, boom, from that point, it just got worse. Then the internet porn became really huge. Yeah. Yeah. In those, in those times of victory, it's like, you know, that's when we should almost be at our most defensive against sin. If I could say it that way. Sure. Yeah, but it's times of victory, but it's never really like... Nothing was put off in my times of victory. Mm -hmm. I didn't repent of anything. I just was able to to kind of white knuckle or with my own strength or managing my own life, live in that kind of victory. So I never really actually dealt with anything, though. Right. So there's no repentance. the, The verse, be careful when you stand lest you fall... And I had felt as though I had some kind of, you know, I wasn't really thinking about it. I wasn't putting any effort into maintaining victory. I just, yeah. So it was all me. (laughs) And then when the chips were down and the real need came, I fell. And we deal with that with guys here too. absolutely. They're focusing on just putting on. And Pastor Ed just recently addressed the guys with a good teaching on putting off, renewing the mind and putting on. And 
And if a guy is just focusing on putting on, putting on, and putting on, and never goes through a putting off or renewal of his mind, then there was no repentance. It was just a, a change yeah. of outward behavior. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it looked good for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, in, in my times before Pure Life, when I'd have times of sustained victory, I just wanted to maintain the good feelings. I wanted to maintain just the situation itself and not dealing with the inward stuff. And so when I dealt with, deal with self-pity, mm-hmm. like if I somehow made a mistake in front of people and it tarnished my image, I get into self-pity and it wasn't long before I was concocting ways to, to get into pornography or sure. bitterness in the marriage, like mm-hmm. unjustified bitterness. You know, so, my wife yeah. would do something I didn't like and I would resent her, hold it against her and be like, that's justification for me to get mm-hmm. into pornography and mm-hmm. get around her back, you know, yeah. and just, you know, wanting to be, wanting to be right, you know, and if I didn't get my way in the home, I'm the husband, right? I'm the mm-hmm. priest of the home. All right, you're not submitting to me. I'm going to look at pornography. Yeah. It was just just some silly stuff. Plus, I also loved entertainment. Like, not overt, like, slasher movies or anything like that. At least going out in the public, you know, hey, I'm going to movie theater. Hey, let's go see the slasher movie. No, I wouldn't do that. But just, I, I call it kind of like the compromised entertainment where it's like sure. mostly good and there's like two or three things in there, even secular mm-hmm. music. Just like there's some things in there that you just kind of wink at, you know, but like it's mostly good, yeah, but I, I wouldn't kill poison. that. Yeah, just a little poison. It's okay. Yeah, you, know, sure. um, you know, I would. <laughs> I love that stuff. I loved that part of the world, and I didn't really want to let go of that because I got you know entertainment out of that. Did you guys like? Did you feel like that love for the world was still there, and you just never dealt with oh, it? Yeah. yeah, I never made my home a sanctuary. I mean, well, for one thing, again, it was compromised because it was an unequally yoked marriage. Mm. So there was always that Netflix, hey, let's watch a movie, you know, and they would definitely be R-rated movies. And so I was not only flirting with sin, but I was inviting the desire to give over and to look and to, you know, quench the thirst that I had, which I didn't realize at the time, even though I'd been in church for 20 years was for Christ. I had no idea. I just wanted my flesh to be satisfied. So yeah. sure, I'd sit there and watch too. You know, we're, we're a family. We're going to watch. Yeah. And there's other Christians doing it. Yeah, so it, all not? the time. Yeah. Yeah, why not? Stupid. Yeah, no, certainly. I uh, I mean, before coming here, my last several years before, as a paramedic working in Manhattan, one of the pinnacles of pride in the world, you know, I mean, just steeped in worldliness and you start living in that environment with no restrictions and no restraints. I wasn't, you know, trying to separate myself from the world or its system at all. I was trying to make a name for myself there. Mm-hmm. It fed the spiritual pride. It fed the pride of just my accomplishments. It fed the sexual sin. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Well, we've talked a lot about what guys coming into our program are well acquainted with, um, things that they can relate to, even if, uh, you know, listeners on YouTube, podcast, wherever this is going to be. But now let's get into like the good stuff. We're all Pure Life grads. I graduated 15 years ago. When, how long ago did you graduate? Graduated in 2016. Okay. 2018. 2018. So 
Okay, so I graduated in 20, or 2007, so. That oh, was, you're old. I'm old. Yeah. I'm old. Uh, I feel it every day. But, um, <laughs> you know, we came to Pure Life, and Pure Life changed us. It wasn't, I, I should, I, let me rephrase that. Our time at Pure Life was sure. changing because mm-hmm. we met the Lord here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's talk about what that change was. Like, what about being in this program was it for us that brought about the change, that brought about the victory over sexual sin that we so desperately wanted over the years? Uh, It's a relationship with Jesus. And to realize that you can't have a relationship with Jesus and be in love with the world, it's impossible. And I had never really come to a black and white understanding of that, an absolute understanding of that acknowledging the fact that if I'm in love with either the, the pleasures of this world, the success this world has to offer, the money, all of it, if I'm pursuing that, then I cannot have a relationship with Jesus. And the two are opposed to each other and cannot work together. So I had to realize that my desire and love for this world was keeping me from a relationship with Jesus. And I needed to like really believe that black and white. I've heard a lot uh, in counseling, a lot of guys, I I had an OCA student that wanted to maintain everything he had in the world. And when I said those are gateways to sin because you're feeding your flesh in those areas, but they didn't relate directly to sexual sin, he said, they're not mentioned as sins in the word. And I, I tried to explain, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't let go of it. And it, in my life, I had at some point rebelled against every earthly authority ever placed before me. Uh, I knew more than everybody. I was right. They were always wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that whole mindset I took into the Christian world with me, um, why I didn't obey my spiritual authority when he was trying to do good in my life. And... First Peter says right away, for the Lord's sake, obey every spiritual authority, whether the emperor or governors or whoever, for his sake. And because I was so selfish and rebellious, I just, I would not surrender my will. And when I came to Pure Life, that was very obvious because the first special assignment I got, I'd knead a table into the wall and ran out in a huff because <laughs> I was going to be perfect. And so when I got to about month four, five, six, I think the change I saw in my life was I was actually willing to submit to the authorities at Pure Life. Probably it was a slow process, but I saw it happening and it didn't hurt. I could see eventually they were actually loving me by telling me the truth. Mm, And the more I stopped resisting and started submitting my will, the more I started to see how Jesus could work in my life. And boy, once I finally just surrendered, not that I'm perfect, but once I surrendered, the idea that I could figure out my own way, there is a way that seems right unto a man. It was leading me to hell. And I stopped, just like Jesus stopped for the blind man. And he stopped. And he said, what can I do for you? And I said, save me from myself. And he did. And he did. He yeah. did because he's merciful. Yeah. For me, I, and I, I've said this before when I get up and testify in chapel, like 
what changed for me in the program or what I was my pivot point was when I prayed, Lord, show me how you see me. Because my biggest struggle, like I've hinted at, it was me. Mm-hmm. I loved me. I loved my image. And so I prayed the most effective yet most dangerous prayer that I've ever prayed. And that was, Lord, show me how you see me. Mm-hmm. And in the most loving way, I mean, he just, he, he showed me, you're critical. You think too high of yourself. And just the list went on mm-hmm. and on. And I was just a broken mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, really? No way. But when I came to grips with that, you know, it says in Isaiah 64, 6, for all of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy rag. When that hit home to me and I, I took that as like speaking as me, that's me, man, I was undone. And that's when, that's when I started to change. And that's when I started to be released from this sin. Um, Because, you know, we'll go into this last part here, how we knew we were finally free. And I'll relate it to something that just happened recently. My son plays baseball. Uh, we're a baseball family. Mm-hmm. And so they just got through tournament play and in the first game of the tournament. We were the number one seed. We were undefeated throughout the season. So we were playing uh-huh. the least seed, the last seed. They hadn't won a game all year. Mm-hmm. So on paper, we were supposed to win. We were expected to win. And all that pressure was on our team. Like mm-hmm. We couldn't lose to this team. Yeah, we trounced sure. them in the regular season. They can't beat us. So we played with the mentality of not to lose. The other team came in. They were playing to win. They were playing loose, having fun. Mm-hmm. And in the second inning, out of six, they were beating us seven to two. We had dug ourselves a deep hole because we were like, we got to be perfect in this. So we made mistake after mistake after mistake. We dug ourselves a hole. Sure. And it wasn't until we finally flipped and said, okay, we just need to play to win. We just need to go out there and have fun. We did that. We turned it, like I said, and we, we ended up winning the game. It was, it was awesome. It was really cool. So how, how that relates to, to me, how I know I'm finally free, you know, we started out talking about those boundaries. Mm-hmm. And in setting up those boundaries – me is the role as a Christian man, the image. I was playing life not to lose. Sure. I had to maintain this image. So I was like trying to be perfect and everything. Mm-hmm. I had to keep everything aligned, but I was digging hole after hole after hole and falling all of the time. But what happened for me here was when the Lord changed me, I started in essence playing to win. And the boundaries that I have now in my life, I actually want. Mm-hmm. Whereas before yeah. I was like, I got to set these boundaries up. But when I kept getting around them, I really showed I despised them because I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't really need these. Sure. But I'm going to set them up anyway. But now I have them in my life because I know they, they please the Lord and I'm actually trying to stay within the boundaries of righteousness mm-hmm. that I have in Christ. Yeah. And I love the boundaries now mm-hmm. because that, that old song says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Yeah. Everybody connects with prone to wander. But for me, it's like prone to leave the God I love. That's where we've entered into that real relationship with the God and, and where I stay in those boundaries. I don't want to leave God anymore. Yeah. From what he's done for me, I, I don't want to leave him anymore. So what, yeah. about, what about you? Yeah. Well, something that comes to mind when you're describing that, so much of my life, really like 
my whole life prior to being set free at Pure Life, my whole life was consumed with hiding and controlling, minimizing my sin. That was my, my focus in life is how to manage this darkness that I was living in. Um, so even as a professing Christian, my goal, like I always had to keep a guard up and somehow figure out a way to, to hide my sin. Mm-hmm. So now coming to pure life and now that, that being exposed, yes, you have to start with repentance. It has to start with confession. It has to start with taking ownership of the fact that, no, you're not really walking like a true believer should. You know, that's, this is hypocrisy. You need to get your life in order. Mm-hmm. And that kind of demolishing of this whole house of, you know, built on sand needs to come down as part of the process. But then we can kind of carry on that same mindset going forward into our now a real surrendered Christian life. And I'm like, okay, so now I'm going to follow Jesus, and my goal is not to sin, because that's how I know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's mm-hmm. just because that's how I've always fought, and that's, but yeah. that's not biblical Christianity. Right. Um, even Jesus himself said, and I think it's John 13, 35, where he says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, by your love for others. He didn't give a list of, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, those who don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, and as long as you can keep yourself from all of this, then you're my disciple. He says, no, it's your love for others Mm -hmm. that is what defines you as a disciple. And that's what had to switch for me is, like you're saying, I'm no longer living my life with the focus of don't sin, don't Mm -hmm. sin, you know, don't fall guard it, protect it, but no, pursue righteousness with all of your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others as if their needs were your needs. Like, if that is your drive in life, and it really truly is, then the Lord's going to give you the strength and the grace to do that. Are you going to have your stumbles? Are you going to have your falls? Yes, that will happen, but that's not your drive in life isn't sin. Right. Your drive in life is to pursue the Lord. Right. And so you're no longer focused on, okay, you know, when was the last time I sinned? And let me make sure I don't sin anymore. And, right. you know, let me cover this and hide that. And yeah. your, your whole focus in life has to change. Right. Yeah, it's like when you're driving, you go one way, you're automatically going the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, just automatically. So right. we go after God, we're automatically yeah. going away. Now, obviously, yeah. Now, it, it sounds good, and and obviously, like, okay, but if you're, <laughs> that if, if you're pursuing the Lord and still stuck in sexual sin, then you, you have to dig deeper. You didn't actually repent. You know, this doesn't mm-hmm. mean like, okay, well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm still just loving the Lord. I just got this problem with sexual sin. No, mm-hmm. that's that's not the truth. Right. You know, you have to, you still have to, you know, repent of that and and deal with that. But your focus, once you have really truly surrendered and repented, your focus now is pursue the Lord, love others, love the Lord, pursue righteousness. Second Timothy six, mm-hmm. flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness. Like that's that is now your drive in life. Mm-hmm. And what can I do the most for the Lord? How could I surrender my life more for God? You know and that's how I knew things changed because I never really followed through with any of those commitments in my life prior. I knew that was probably the right thing to do. and But when I started making actual life decisions that backed up what I was saying, I said, mm-hmm. okay, this is real now. I'm actually changing my life to follow the Lord. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I was just doing mercy studies last night, and uh, one of the things I I was looking up was the Hebrew word for love, ahava, and it's a noun and a verb. And in Hebrew, love is very specific, and it denotes that you love God and you will love others. Mm-hmm. And being a noun, it means that love has substance. Mm-hmm. It's real. It, it is tangible. And that on the other side, it also denotes action. So yeah. it's the motivation of your heart, as you were talking about, what keeps us from sin now. It's the love of the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know the Greater Shema. Love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then what do we do? We love others, the first and second commandment. Right, that's what we do, and I yeah. I know that one of the transforming issues that happened for me was basically I have been a lawbreaker most of my life. Yeah, in reality, legally a lawbreaker, and so I always viewed restrictions as bad things. So uh, even as a Christian, yeah. a pseudo Christian, I viewed legalism, law, something that I didn't have to follow. But in James, it says, you know, following the perfect law, the law of liberty. And when I started reading that, I'm going, law can be liberating? And I saw that in my life, if I would surrender and trust, there was no trust in me for God before I came here. If I would trust God, yeah, his perfect law, the law of liberty, would sustain me. And as I started to surrender, My love for him grew. I never really loved him before. I loved me. Like you were talking about, it's all about me. But I started to love him. And one of the verses that Pastor Ed talked about once in a sermon about his life verses has literally crushed me over and over again. That's Job 16, 14. He breaks me with wound upon wound. He breaks me. And I needed breaking. And so as he just started removing all the garbage piece by piece, and it was painful, it wasn't easy, but as he started breaking me and as I started letting him break me and I stopped resisting him, my desires changed. It, it wasn't the world I wanted anymore. It was the comfort of knowing that I was accepted by God. It was the comfort of knowing that he loved me even though I thought I was unlovable, and I wanted that. Yep. And so, yeah, now pursuing that through the Lord, through surrender, Man, I've just come to love him so much more. Yeah. I mean, he gives me life. Yeah. Well, his, his grace and mercy is yeah. just it's just amazing. Yeah. And when I finally when I finally saw the cross in its reality that it, for me and myself, not just a Christian cliche growing up in the church when the cross and what that all represented you know, for me, what he did for me, man, yeah, that changed my perspective. That changed the course of my life forever. And you were you were talking about the heart. And I'll just wrap up with this. Um, I was reading the other day in Psalm 119, that, that amazing Psalm in verse 32, David said, I shall run the way of your commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, we the boundaries that we set up, those were my commandments. Those are the things that I wanted to do that I felt like, you know, this is going to, this is going to help. But I wasn't going after God's commandments. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I was not running that way. He says, I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. Yeah. I just, I love that. Because when we go after him, he enlarges our heart to receive more, 
of him and then to give that out to others. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you guys for the discussion today. And thank you. It was a blessing. It's good Amen. to be here. Me too. Thanks, Good Josh. to be here. Thanks for listening. If you haven't listened to the full episode that this discussion comes from, you can check it out by looking for Purity for Life episode number 494, wherever you get your podcasts.